Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Man, is it cold out there. It is freezing. So cold that the shed hunting plans that my wife was kind enough to go along with over the long President's Day weekend, which also just happens to be Valentine's weekend, that's how good of a wife she is. She was going to go shed hunting with me for Valentine's weekend. We were going to take this uh, nice long trip, go somewhere where I thought there'd be a bunch of antlers, and... uh, you know, have fun uh, poking around in the snow a little bit, trying to find uh, the next big, uh, you know, Boone and Crockett level shed, or maybe just a little forky or something like that. I'm happy with all of them, honestly. But old man winter stepped in, and the subarctic temperatures that we're supposed to have in in the area where we were going to go, I believe on the day that we were going to actually be shed hunting, the actual temperature was going to be around negative nine when we started in the morning so uh too cold to be riding around on a four-wheeler or shuffling around on some snowshoes trying to find some antlers we're going to have to postpone our trip that feeling of not being able to go has been getting me to feel pretty cooped up lately and you may be in the same boat you may you might not be getting out ice fishing as much as you'd hoped or maybe getting in some of that late season small game hunting like you'd planned because it is so cold here in the midwest maybe if you're down south though maybe it's all right and you're able to uh enjoy some of that that down there without all this ice and cold but if you are cooped up like i am make sure you still use this time to do something productive for your future hunting opportunities could be as early as spring turkey season or uh, spring black bear season or maybe uh, your next season until uh, whitetails in in uh, september or october depending on where you are but whatever you're doing find a way to get better while you're cooped up and that'll do two things for you one it'll make you less crabby because you're actually doing something that uh, is related to something you really enjoy and two when you get to the hunting season you'll be like well i'm really far behind i need to get all this this and this ready to go and then when you go to do it you're like whoa i already did all this clear back in february when it was like negative 50 outside so make sure you're productive with your time well that's now and this episode is really applying to more of the future here we're bringing on friend of the show mr alex gruen from east to west hunts Alex, as you well know, has been on the show uh, a couple times already, and uh, he's probably going to be on the show, oh, I'm going to guess around maybe five, six times a year. Uh, Probably about four of those times will be just mainly focused on him giving us a tag application update uh, just to keep everybody in the loop. That's a service that I really want to offer here at First Gen. I think that's a way I can help everybody out a little bit and uh, help them uh, maybe take that next step in their hunting journey. I know it helps me, that's for sure. Uh, But also, uh, Alex uh, is a great person to come in and co-host when Brandon has other things going on and and can't make it, or if we have a subject matter that uh, Alex's expertise 
uh, aligns with well. Uh, if you've heard the other episodes with Alex in them, you know for sure that this guy knows his stuff when it comes to tab- tag applications and, and hunt planning. Well, today's episode is going to be about a whole bunch of other stuff that goes right along with what Alex does, okay? Uh, when it comes to hunting in other states, especially if those states are far away, far away enough to where you probably don't want to sacrifice any of those precious vacation days for driving all the way across the country, and you'd rather just hop on an airplane. But then the big questions come in your mind about, how do I fly out somewhere and bring all my hunting gear with me? Especially things like firearms or bows and hunting knives and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, Alex is going to dive into that with us, and he's going to explain the process to us a little bit. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this is our this is our disclaimer. You should always check into this stuff on your own. You know, visit the visit the probably I would guess the TSA website or uh, even a lot of the individual airlines that you're planning to fly. You can probably find the information on their websites about what exactly their policies are what the process is for bringing things like I just mentioned on a hunting trip. Make sure you check that stuff out. But Alex is a guy who's done these things many times, going to several different places. And so he's going to kind of fill us in on what the experience has been for him. So this one is going to be helpful, I guarantee. It's already been super helpful to Brandon and me. A couple of guys who have some some uh, pretty big eyes for the west right now we're looking west and and wanting to uh, take advantage of some of those incredible big game opportunities that we have right here in our own country but a far enough trip to where we're probably going to have to fly out there so we got all kinds of that information plus a whole bunch more and a whole lot of laughing we have uh, we have a really good time in this one nice it was a nice time to kick back and relax blow off some of the stress of this time of the year And I hope you're able to do the same as you tune in. So stick around and we'll get you rolling here on episode 41 of the First Gen Hunter podcast. Welcome back, First Gen Nation. We have a familiar voice coming through on the airwaves. In fact, the voice that you're hearing, you're probably going to hear... Uh, well, we plan to have him at least four or five times every year because I think that's one of the ways that First Gen Hunter can be a real service to uh, fellow hunters and providing them with up-to-date information on what tags for which states are needing to be applied for, when the deadlines are, when you need to get preference points, all that stuff. Alex is the guy to talk to. And uh, I think it's a tremendous service that he's willing to offer up a few times a year on the podcast. Uh, but also he's been here often enough, you know, that he's he's like uh, got a virtual desk here at First Gen Hunter. I mean, he's you know, we were we were just talking before the episode. I'm going to send him a headset here one of the, one of these days because uh, sometimes Brandon has, believe it or not, all sorts of other things going on in his uh, life. First Gen Hunter <laughs> podcast recording is not the only thing on his schedule, and so Alex is uh, somebody who is kind enough to uh, be willing to co-host when Brandon can't. And uh, we do have a, I shouldn't say too much here, because every once in a while I, I, I like to preview something that's coming up and then it falls apart like Brandon and my hunting plans together this year. <laughs> but uh, uh, Alex and I are going to um, interview a, a guy who, uh, at least that's the plan, uh, it's kind of tough working out schedules right now, but 
Uh, that that interview was actually supposed to happen tonight, uh, but we had to postpone it. Uh, who does he? He's a sports medicine uh, person who does training programs for, uh, I guess you could say, outdoor athletes. So uh, hikers, bikers, skiers, backpackers, and uh, he's starting to look into uh, bringing it, bringing in some uh, hunting specific stuff. And so uh, Alex, uh, who has a uh, big time background in in uh uh fitness and, and gym management and things like that training and then of course uh hunting all over uh <laughs> all over north america including uh where the uh muskox do roam and uh, <laughs> that's right <laughs> so he he's got a good idea of what it takes for these different areas so we're gonna hopefully bring him on soon so you'll hear alex then but you're definitely gonna get a whole lot more alex tonight because it is time for another update in fact we probably should have recorded this like uh, a week ago because um it's too late for your listening ears at this point because by the time this drops it will be the 11th of february and uh, at that point, Alex, what will have happened? Uh, Arizona elk and antelope will be closed because oh. it closes on the 9th. Probably the, see, I'm learning here, probably the number one state for a, like, trophy elk, right, is Arizona. Isn't that the place to be? It's the place to be for both of them, man, elk and, and mule deer, if you, mm. uh, you want to. Mm-mm-mm. Trying to kill a 200-inch mule deer, you are uh, dying to get into Arizona. Sure, yep. So uh, the reason I'm still bringing this up is because uh, maybe if you've uh, been on the fence about this, you know, uh, next year will have to be your year, but use this as a good reminder of just how fast these deadlines come. I mean, I can't I can't believe when I was dropping uh, uh, today's episode, when I was finishing it up last night, and I was just thinking, like, wow we're already we're already what you know several days into february already and yeah. uh, 2021 is uh flying away from us here oh. so so uh you want to definitely be keeping track of these dates write them down somewhere and as uh, you'll hear in an advertisement in this very episode you need to talk to alex you need to go to alexgruen.com send him an email uh tell you what he's one of the easiest to reach people in my list of phone contacts and i'm one of those people who never deletes a phone contact because you never know when you're going to need to talk to somebody and uh he's he's like up there in the top uh three percent of fast responders so Mm. you need to you need to reach out to alex and talk to him about those plans but we're going to spend all sorts of time tonight talking about all of what's coming up around the bend but before we do we need to have a little fun do a little uh, little uh, pregame banter together here, the three of us. <laughs> and I kind of want to kick it off with something really interesting that uh, Brandon and Alex will both know of because uh, Alex listens to the show even when he's not on it. And uh, Brandon, of course, is here when we record these interviews most of the time. <laughs> and uh, that is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, I was not looking for this. Okay. It like, it, it found me in a way, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I saw a, a, uh, you know how like Instagram will cycle up, you know, suggested connections or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was a suggested connection for me that was 
Actually, I don't even think it wasn't that either. It was it was through Go Wild. That's what it was. It was through Go Wild. Somebody shared an episode from this podcast on Go Wild. I, I think that's what it was. And uh, I was like, hey, that podcast is called, I, th- I think it's called the Boot Heel uh, Hunting Podcast or something, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I remember TJ saying that he was on a buddy's podcast, and he specifically said it was a local guy. And then I remembered... <laughs> The uh, the infamous crossbow story that I could just tell Brandon was like writhing in his his chair as oh, he was. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you feel, that, feel that one deep, man. <laughs> oh man! And I was like, you know what? I bet that's that guy. And so, you know, me being the person that I am, I of course I I start following him on Instagram, and instantly, as soon as he accepts uh, my follow, I. Uh, I sent him a DM and be like, hey, are you the guy that shot his thumb with a crossbow? <laughs> we, we, we all have to be known for something, I guess, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's me. And uh, so I, like, told him, you know, hey, I interviewed TJ and he mentioned you and we all, like, gave you a uh, salute on the, the podcast for your uh, <laughs> toughness on <laughs> And uh, so I got some more details on that that uh, I think the listeners would probably be, you know, relieved to hear. the The finger did not come off, so that's good. He did not. Oh, oh, he good did, news. He did not. <laughs> he did not send his finger downrange. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just got a crazy picture of my head. Hit the deer with your finger. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, he did not send the finger downrange, so the finger's still there. But, you know, say a prayer for him because uh, he did mention that uh, it's it, it's healed up. Like the, the wound itself has healed up since this happened. So I'm guessing it must have happened probably early on in the season. Uh, but he said it's given him a lot of trouble. A lot of, a lot of yeah, like... Uh, you know, he th- says he thinks he has some, maybe some nerve damage there. So, uh, yeah. uh, say a prayer for him and, uh, but still really happy for him that he did not lose his finger and still yeah. one tough, uh, one tough ombre, man. Yeah. He, hey, I, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I can't cause I had texted you about it, but, um, I was, I was driving up, uh, up to our cottage. Uh, I was, I was going scouting for uh for deer for uh later in the season i was listening uh-huh. to the uh the podcast and at no point in time did i expect that to come out from from tj <laughs> um, <laughs> i know <laughs> and and brandon your your response in the background was like oh <laughs> and, and i was like laughing out loud in the truck by myself and it was it was priceless because i was like there's no way that anybody would have thought that that's what i know would have said i know (laughs) i know because i asked him i was like i was like do you got any good deer hunting stories and then all of a sudden it's about it's like man that is a good story not where i thought that was going but that is a good story Uh, yeah and brandon brandon being the crossbow guy you know it was like uh, too close to home i think is that is that kind of how it was brandon oh man so so true i mean i'm just you know i mean you know i remember watching a uh i remember watching a uh, sports oh man i can't remember what the what it, it was like an espn show growing up but it was it was like it was talking about you know they were doing like some you know i mean it was some 
something that you know a teenage guy would find fascinating like you know it was uh like oh uh processing the the brain when you get you know hit in the you know where from like a tennis ball or something or whatever <laughs> and it was it was talking about how there's there's like a science behind like when you observe something and oh you don't feel that same pain exactly but there there is a sensation that happens scientifically that almost gets you there to the point where you can almost experience it because it's so real in your brain and it's like <laughs> man when you see things like that i mean especially being you know crossbow hunter like i am like you mentioned i mean i'm just very thankful that the way that my crossbow was set up has got that you know it's got that the, the, the way the handle is set up there is no chance that i'm going to be <laughs> that i'm going to be having my nor nor i do i think would i ever probably shoot a crossbow unless it was set up just like that because knowing me i'd probably whack my thumb so i mean i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm thankful i'm thankful I'm, I'm good and set like that <laughs> oh man yeah whenever i think of stuff like that or you know hear about stuff like that i'm like you know there had to be that pioneer that poor pioneer who figured yeah. it out for everybody else you know what i mean yes yes <laughs> the first dude to find out dude you got to keep your your fingers tucked you know That's i right i did something sort of similar not near as painful but still fairly painful uh my cousin had a uh a uh what was it? I think it was a 45 that he let me uh, shoot semi-auto, you know, so I had the slide on the top for the action and everything. And uh, I I was, you know, first-gen hunter, right? So no guns growing up other than BB guns and pellet guns. Yep. And so I didn't know what I was mm -hmm. doing. You know what I mean? I, I, I just, you know, pointed down range in a safe direction and pulled the yep. trigger. Well, I had crossed my thumbs over the back of mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, cut you right up. Oh man. It took a huge chunk right out of my thumb with that slide. Yeah. And of course it happens so fast and you're having fun shooting that you just do it like, you know, seven times in a row. <laughs> so then you <laughs> go to give the gun back and there's like blood running down your hand. <laughs> oh, what happened? Man. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. I, I think that happens more often than, than you think. Oh, yeah. it has to. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Well, you know, and it's, it's, you got to learn it somehow. Right. And, and sometimes you're the guy that, that whacks his thumb. And sometimes oh, yeah. you're the guy that gets to hear about somebody getting their thumb mm -hmm. whacked. And, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, horror stories you hear about some, some, uh, sad sap climbing up his, uh, ladder stand and, or his, uh, you know, his, uh, mobile steps for his hang on stand and, uh, getting his wedding ring caught and uh slipping and uh you know degloving his finger with his uh, oh, with his wedding ring well i tell you what after i heard that i stopped climbing up tree stands with with a wedding <laughs> ring on you know my yeah, wife right. actually got me one of those uh silicone uh oh nice wedding rings mm -hmm. this year for christmas what do you think some... of it do you do you like it yeah i do i it, nice. the, the only thing and actually uh this will be two podcasts in a row now that we've mentioned this guy uh but yeah. i remember listening to uh steve Rinella's podcast and uh he mentioned that he had one of those rings and he uh lost it in a gut pile uh oh. some somewhere where he was uh uh you know field dressing a a i can't remember what he said it was but he was field dressing it something he shot and uh didn't realize it but the ring slipped off his finger and i have noticed um that you know you get the right size so it fits tight and everything but just when it's 
when it's cold and um you know your your finger kind of you know shrinks down just a little bit and and you don't have as much blood flowing through your your mm -hmm. fingers and and uh so you don't have as much feeling and uh you you can easily slip that ring off and not even really really know it but yeah um, you know so that's that's one thing that i would tell people if they get one of those you know just make sure you keep keep a close eye on it. and they aren't you know they're not super expensive but they're not you know they're not super cheap either so yeah you know, and and it's one of those things where you're probably not gonna you're not gonna buy a whole bunch of them in a row you know because you keep losing them so just keep your eye on them and but I think it's well worth it, you know. To, to I'm, I'm I'm that guy that you just mentioned, Ken. <laughs> I, uh, you lost I, yours. I have eight of them sitting on my nightstand uh, because I I go through like four a year at least. <laughs> oh wow! So they they slip right <laughs> off yours too. Well, I, I like I, you. I you're I at the gym all day though, right? So I mean, you probably like them for working out too, right? Yeah, I, my 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 actual wedding rings like uh, it's it's steel and silver, and I. Mm. Uh, I kind of liked it because when you know when you you're really gonna know how long we've been married because the ring will just be <laughs> so trash from every year of, of stuff. But uh, <clears throat> but you know it's just not comfortable. So I I changed over to the silicone rings. I don't know probably four years ago now. But I I just beat them up and uh, yeah. you know and I and I lose a couple like exactly what you said. Like I'll put them down. Uh, you know. I'm doing something with, uh, you know, shaving, uh, something with my hair and then I forget it. And then I'm like, where is that thing? And who knows where it is, but, yep. um, you know, I might as well buy stock and I'm pretty soon at this rate. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> maybe East to West just needs to sign a partnership with them. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe we need to, maybe we need to get a deal going with, uh, with, with Quelo or something, but. Right. <laughs> no, I. You know, it's it's a good it's a good way to start the show though. Talking a little, uh, <laughs> talking a little finger safety. Talking uh, <laughs> mindfulness with the crossbow or or the gun or whatever. Uh, you some of those things you just don't think about them, but man, they can. You won't forget about them after <laughs> after mm -hmm. yep, after uh, right. you make that mistake. So, oh man, there's so many there's so many crazy uh, injury stories out there though. But but. We need to we need to kind of get moving here in the direction of the show, and uh, one other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about here with the pregame is, and Brandon, I don't think you fully know all of all of these plans yet because uh, Alex and I were kind of talking behind your back about, hey, hey yeah, we'll oh, bring we'll, we'll bring Brandon along on this, Sounds and we'll great. bring we'll bring him there, and but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm game. <laughs> yeah, well, one of them is going to be in your backyard, and. Uh, Alex, I have this habit of of calling Alex on my way to go hunting somewhere, and uh, uh, we hash out all these plans in about twenty in a twenty minute phone call. And one of those plans that we were hashing out was a seeka deer hunt in the old Delmarva Peninsula area, which yeah. is uh, kind of your. Area. But you yourself have never hunted seeka, right? I've never hunted them. I've hunted a lot of swampy areas. Um, you know, where, you know, would, you know, potentially be, you know, good terrain for them. But I mean, I have some friends, um, that, you know, mainly Facebook connections and whatnot that, that do it in the area and have been successful even this year, but I've never come across them. But I mean, I, I've, I've always wanted to do it. So I'm definitely, definitely interested to give it a try and would love to connect, have us connect and try to give it a go. 
Yeah, I would. I, I, it's it's actually one of my most. Uh, what's the right word here? Um, sought after hunts or like like you know mm-hmm. that's one that that's really high on my list. I would even mm-hmm. put it, which th- I know this sounds crazy to most people, but I'd put it higher on my list right now than elk. I mean, I really wow. want I really want to hunt elk at some point, but mm-hmm. man, I just think those things are so cool. I mean, you're yeah. basically mixing the you know a lot of the behavior of a whitetail something that's correct me if i'm wrong here but i think it's around the size of a coos deer maybe yeah they're they're, they're pretty small yeah yeah they're small so you get like that cool factor of like a coos deer Mm -hmm. and then you call for them like you do for elk you know Mm -hmm. right and so they're like when they're rutting you know they're there's bucks out there chasing does around or I don't know if they go by bucks or bulls for, I think that's still bucks, but uh, I think so, yeah. bucks and does for those, but you you know, so you can call them, you can watch them chase, you know, get all that cool rut activity. And, uh, and, uh, I love the color of them, you know, that really dark, uh, fur color that they have. I just think that's really cool. So anyways, that's something that, uh, Alex and I had talked about coming out to, uh, Brandon's neck of the woods to, to do. And then Brandon and I, we, we have a a mutual friend. Um, actually it's kind of interesting. Brandon kind of grew up in the same area as this friend of mine. And I went to college with this friend of mine, but he was not there when Brandon was there, even though Brandon and I Mm -hmm. went to the same college and that would be the one and only Mr. Brian Mark Zockel, uh, who, uh, actually lives in that same area. And, uh, um, he's never hunted, so I think it'd be a ton of fun to, you know, oh, yeah. do kind of a first gen feature there. And, oh man, talk and, about uh, talk about something awesome! It, enjoy something like that, and then bring someone along to get him into it. Man, that'd be yeah. nothing better than that, man. Definitely, and uh, he is a uh, he's he knows what he's doing when it comes to crabbing. So I thought it'd be yeah. kind of oh, cool yeah. to do yeah. some do some crabbing with Mark and and uh, take him on a seek a deer hunt and bring alex along the way i'll pick up alex on uh i-80 there we go (laughs) right on your way yeah that's right that's right hey hey brandon question for you Uh, are your buddies hunting in delaware or are they hunting in maryland um the the one friend that i have who's actually she she actually has a uh, like a dog tracker type of kind of has like a dream job works for the state force and whatnot she um oh that's cool she actually got she actually got one in delaware this year um, so she's got some marshy land in Delaware that she has permission to hunt, hunt on. And I know a lot of people, they'll go over the Maryland side and I think, I think they're more prevalent over on that side, but she actually was able to get one in Delaware this year, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. That's yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So anyways, that's, uh, that's kind of a, uh, dream that I have bring all of us together and, and just have a, a blast out there on the East coast, enjoying some of the, the unique hunting opportunities that you find there and, hunting a really unique animal and what's also interesting is they're non-native they don't belong here in in north america they were transplanted here yep and Mm -hmm. they really just uh uh took off in fact they're i think they're native to you guys correct me if i'm wrong here but i think they're native to like maybe is it japan or uh i'm pretty sure it's japan uh They're, they're they're china japan korea and taiwan okay Okay. Yeah. They, uh, they, I think relocated to Mar or they were, uh, 
um, in they like as dumped like on an island or something? I think they were like turned loose on an island and then they just kind of spread out from there. If I remember hearing the history on them, right. But I'm not sure about that. I gotta, I gotta research that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really a, you know, kind of a cool story. And I think it's really cool that we get to hunt something that's all, you know, from the other side of the world, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyways, that's a, that's a hope. And then another plan that uh, we're definitely doing. Uh, speaking of good old TJ Scott from Kilmo Ducks, shout out to him and Kilmo. Yeah. Uh, he invited us to come down, and uh, he said he would uh, he'd uh, treat us to a weekend of shooting some shooting some waterfowl. And yes. uh, man, I don't know what better opportunity there could be than to link up with a guy like uh, TJ and take him up on that offer. So that's something that, uh, again, Alex and Brandon and I, and then we're going to bring a couple buddies. We'll bring Jake along. Good old, good old Jake, right? Uh, all the listeners, the listeners know him pretty well too. So we'll, uh, we'll bring Jake along and, uh, and, uh, got another buddy who, uh, said he'd like to come along too. So that's, that's what's coming up for, uh, you know, hunt fish life east to west and and uh first gen here really soon that involves all of us but um we got to talk what's going on with uh tag applications here yeah so so kind of the the format just so the listeners are aware of how we're going to kind of run this episode um we're going to start here we're going to do the update on alex is going to run us through what's coming due you know things you need to have circled on your calendar and then we're going to start talking some stuff that I've been wanting to work into these episodes, but but generally these episodes, uh, they go, uh, there's just so much information that we can cover, which is why we need to have Alex on so frequently, um, just, just because we need to keep it to what is the most, you know, time-sensitive uh, tags at this, at, you know, when we record. But one of the things I want to go to towards the end of this episode is all the big questions that I have. (laughs) So it's kind of Mm -hmm. selfish here asking Alex these questions, but I would guess that the majority of people who have not yet taken that step and hunted another state are wondering about. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, things like how do you fly with a firearm? How do you fly with a bow? How do you, you know, what about Mm -hmm. all your hunting gear? Like, you know, maybe you're going to be camping out in the, out in the back country for a week. You know, what about your little stove and gas cans? You know, what, how do you mm-hmm. handle, handle all that stuff that, you know, makes you feel like you're going to land in jail for the rest of your life while you're walking out of your car into the airport? You know, how do you, <laughs> how do you, uh, <laughs> I have a great story about that too, actually, that I'll, I'll just have to remember to tell it when we get there, but it's, it is a good, it is a good one. But, um, yeah, all that, all that stuff, you know. Uh, what about ammunition? Can you fly with that? Do you just buy it when you get there? You know, all this stuff, shipping meat back or flying with it back, you know. Mm-hmm. So Alex has experience doing a lot of this stuff, so we're going to tap him for that information and, and uh, you know, hopefully put some uh, worries and stresses at ease <laughs> mm-hmm. or confirm them. You know, maybe that's just mm-hmm. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, yeah, I won't spoil that. I'm going to keep it a mystery. 
<laughs> I know this guy. He's still in prison. <laughs> You're screwed, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. All he wanted to do is go hunt seeking deer in Maryland. <laughs> He's got one thumb. We call him Lucky, man. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh man. So let's go ahead. Let's talk here a little bit about what's what's coming up. Alex, what, what is, so we, we already know that the ship has sailed at this point for listeners to be reminded from this episode. So mm -hmm. the ship has sailed for Arizona elk and antelope. Um, yeah. is that, is that mule deer too? All right, first geners, listen up for a minute. New year, new opportunities, right? Should be. I'm speaking to myself here as well. Hunting is filled with many great traditions that we can enjoy year in and year out, but sometimes it's good to branch out. One of those ways to branch out is through trying something new. And by that, I mean it's good to look at hunting somewhere new. The interviews on out-of-state tag applications with our friend Alex Gruen of East to West Hunts have been quite popular, which tells me that people are looking hard at hunting some new country. Well, just to give you that little extra nudge to start making plans to complete your dream hunt, Alex is offering a 10% discount off of his tag application and hunt planning services for first gen hunter podcast listeners all you got to do is head to his website alexgruen.com choose the service you need and check out with the promo code first gen 10 all one word capital f i r s t capital g e n the number 10 and again you can find alex and order his services at alexgruen.com a L E X G R U I N dot com. And don't forget to use the promo code FirstGen10 at checkout to save 10% and to get going on that bucket list hunt you've been dreaming of. No, it's it's just Arizona opens up first with elk and antelope, okay, and then um, sure. and then that shuts down, and then then they open up other big game down the road. But um, yeah, Wyoming Wyoming kind of does the same thing. They just do elk as the first, and then they roll into uh, more big game down the road, which sure. is a topic today. So um, yeah, I, I mean. We haven't really talked to uh, black bear much, but uh, you got Idaho and Utah black bear that's, mm. um, you know, you, you can apply for it. You can get over the counter tags and, and Idaho as well. Um, so, so those are both rolling. Uh, Utah, uh, actually, I, I applied for my spring bear um, this morning, actually. I, mm. I woke up and, and did that, but uh, that's live. Uh, surprisingly, that's actually a pretty difficult draw in Utah, uh, believe it or not. So, 
uh, your odds are not high there, but it's definitely something to get involved with because you're not going to see a lot of pressure when you're in the uh, in the mountains there, which is really nice. And then, right, you know, I would say this is the big one. You got Wyoming sheep, moose, goat, and bison okay. that uh, wow. is is on the map right now. And uh, then you get at the same point uh, the Utah. All big game species are, are open right now. Uh, again, I, I did a bunch of applications for clients. I did my own, get them out of the way. Uh, and, and, and partly, I, I'm just like a you know a kid on Christmas doing it. I, oh, I, yeah. I get excited. But uh, the, the big one there, March 4th, you got to know that date. You got to get it done by March 4th. And uh, Utah is a pretty nice state when you're doing the apps because it's um, just not that pricey right off the bat which is nice you're not uh you're not forking over thousands of dollars at once uh where in wyoming you are <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I, I did the math today in wyoming if i applied for sheep moose goat and uh, and bison all at once i'd be floating about 13 grand on my credit card oh man wow because yeah. they, they make you pay the tag fee up front and then you still got to yeah. pay for uh, your application fee, and then you you also have to pay. Wyoming makes you pay your own credit card fee of two and a half percent on top of it. So, oh goodness! So count, count out seventy or eighty bucks right off the bat for each species that you'll never never see again. Uh, not even part of the opportunity there. <laughs> wow! Alive. Yeah. So that's just the that's the the little surcharge on running your card, huh? And and that yeah. cannot be refunded because mm-hmm. that that service was offered yeah man well i went to it went to visa and american express right, right? So, yeah right. that's right yeah yep yep no, that's good um, to know. Those, those are the big ones um you know another one that, that a lot of people might not know if you if you have dreams about hunting in nevada as a non-resident uh, that's a that's a march due date uh but that they do a mule deer only they do a guided draw so if you know that you are going to go apply and actually want to hunt with a guide you can jump into that guided draw your odds are better and a much smaller pool of um you know applicants there so that gives you a little mm-hmm. bit of an opportunity to, to more likely get that tag yeah yeah that's a good bit of information there that we need to keep track of as we we uh you know look at look at what's coming up now something interesting there about that nevada mule deer guided uh draw pool mm-hmm. is i'm sure you know more about this than i do alex but i saw the uh bit of legislation that's been offered up here just i don't know within the last couple of weeks maybe or a month uh in montana on oh yeah uh, I mean, really a, a big deal for DIY out-of-state, you know, non-resident hunters if this goes through, which, I mean, it seems like there's probably enough opposition out there um, from uh, the public. However, I mean, this is one of those things where I'm not for it. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> I hope it doesn't go through personally. Uh, mm-hmm. but I guess I see where, I mean, I, it's easy to see where guides are like, yeah, make this law because you know, mm-hmm. that, it makes, it makes life better for them. No question. But, uh, I, I guess I understand the, the, one of the arguments I saw was from a, I believe it was from an outfitter who cited basically it was some study 
where numbers were pulled together that surveyed how much money do non-resident different groups of non-resident hunters bring into Montana. And the the study found that DIYers uh, bring in far less than somebody who ends up going with, you know, booking a trip through an outfitter and a guide. And uh, so the, the argument there is, which, you know, I'm getting a little too far ahead of myself. Do you want to, you probably know the, the, proposition better than i do uh alex but do you want to kind of explain it if not then i'll i'll do my best to stumble through it but but um could you kind of explain just the the gist of what this new rule is for non-resident applicants in montana yeah i i mean in a in a nutshell what you know what's posed is basically that a a specific amount of tags would be only for uh you know guided hunts which and you know i and i and to your point i get it um i i get where the opposition could come in and i get where like you know the obviously the outfitters want that and uh the same point i was i was reading on um i was reading online about i think that the essential pitch was that there was a goal of having a consistency for the outfitting business because of how much it uh, drove to the state. Uh, I don't, you know, again, I'm not, I don't live there and I can't speak to it, but I mean, it's, it's, it's basically saying that uh, you, you don't care necessarily about that non-resident do you yourself or, and, um, I mean, it, it's 60, here's the statistic of it. 60% of the non-resident combination licenses would be reserved for applicants that hunt with a licensed outfitter. You know, when you, when you do, when you look yeah. at it, on, it when, I'm sorry, when you look at it, like in Nevada, as we kind of brought it up, that's, I mean, it's nothing like that. It's a minuscule amount to mm-hmm. say that 60% of all non-residents. Well, well, and it's, it's 0% right now, right? Because wasn't it in 2010, they, they used to do some, some yeah. of that. But in 2010, yep. they shot that completely down, right? Yeah, I don't. You know, I, I think there's some some money to back it. You know, you you can imagine the uh, they have some some money going towards the the politics mm-hmm. of this. But right. I I I do find it tough um, that that this will pass because I do think people are going to uh, cause a ruckus and and I, I think I think the reality is that there might be statistics to it, but. The, the non-resident does pay quite a bit as they go in. And I think there's money that some people aren't acknowledging, you know, but yes. Hey, if I book a hunt with an outfitter, it's 10 grand to go do an elk hunt, but I am giving all 10 grand to that guy and in his outfit and it's not going anywhere else. Right. Like I'm, I'm going to buy some gas or something, but I'm literally going to be in the mountains or, or, and on the property with this guy, uh, versus, Hey, I got to get gas. I got to get to the grocery store. I got to get some food. I got, you know, you're still going to get, I hate to say nickel and dime, but you're going to have expenses either right, way. Right. Right. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know how much validity that has to be honest, but well, you and, know, and again, how, you know, and, and if something is affordable enough, you know, you're going to do it. A lot of people are going to do it time and again i have a i have a student at school that he and his dad and i think uh maybe his grandfather or another friend they go to colorado 
every single year to hunt elk during one of the the rifle seasons mm-hmm. there. And you know, it's inexpensive. There's with during rifle season, they they have fairly decent odds of uh filling a tag between, you know, everyone that's hunting and uh they they spend that money year after year after year and so Mm -hmm. i think that's another thing that you know i'm sure that you know i'm not like some kind of genius here who (laughs) was the first to look at the other side of the coin but the the reality is i think that you know i think the exact number that was stated in that study that this guy was quoted in the article that i was reading was he said it's like the average outfitted non-resident hunter spends $3,500 to $600 spent by the non-resident DIYer. And mm-hmm. and I just don't see that, first of all, because a lot of tags are a lot more, you know, they're like $1,000 uh, for, right. for tags. Plus, then all the things that Alex just said, I mean, yeah, you're probably planning to camp most of the time, but I bet you... Uh, most people spend at least a night or two in a hotel. So there's, you know, another probably couple hundred bucks and, you know, all the gas and, and food and everything else, you know, that to me, that number gets closer. And then just what, what Alex is saying there, you know, 60% that, I mean, just, just think of that. And to go from basically 0% of the tags going to that to now 60% become untouchable without a guide service. I mean, I, uh, to me, that's, that's, uh, not the way we should, we should be, yeah. uh, allowing people to hunt public land. I mean, cause that's what most of those people are going to do, you know, and that's what a lot of those guides have to use. Of course they have connections to ranches and, and ranches out there are just enormous, but, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it, you know, to add one other thing there, the, uh, I think my biggest issue with it is, is if you're a good outfitter, you're already booked out for two, three years from now. And if you're a terrible outfitter, you're going to benefit from this because if that passes, every, every person that wanted to hunt there is still going to try to book with an outfitter and they're going to try to get in yeah. sooner. So now they're going to book up these terrible outfitters. That, right. That's the yeah, biggest problem point. that I see with it. Yeah. I kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of thought of that too, with like, you know, almost a, what's the right term clearing house type <laughs> outfitting service, you know, yeah. where you have, you have a, a name on a, you know, in the phone book, so to speak, you're a registered guide or guide or whatever, but you're basically just there to serve as a liaison to get into hunt you know, and getting a tag. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, you know, again, I don't live there and I'm certainly far from an expert on the issue, but, uh, from what I've seen and also from, uh, you know, seeing what a lot of other people who are much closer to this issue, even live in Montana and, uh, mm-hmm. who it's their full-time job to focus on these issues and seeing what they have to say about it. You know, I think that carries some weight too. And it, believe me, they're not in favor of it. So, you know, that's something to, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you have hopes of hunting Montana someday, you know, sometimes it's good to, you know, it's always good to be active in your own state, but yeah, you know, maybe send a letter to, to somebody out there who's making decisions and, and, mm-hmm. you know, let them know that, that, uh, you know, that's something you, you feel strongly about. 
And maybe you totally disagree with me, and you should still let your opinion be known then too. <laughs> it's it's honestly good that there's, you know, a lot of organizations now too that are really working to keep people up to date on what's going on, you know, around the country with different yeah. things related to these things, which is important. It keeps it in conversation, you know, because it's easy to kind of get tunnel vision with what's going on in your own neck of the woods, but to kind of keep your eye open to what's going on around the country and how you can make a difference, it's important. Right. Yeah, that's that's well said, Brandon, for sure. Well, let's get back to, uh, that's kind of a little detour there, but when you said that about Nevada, that, that kind of um, uh, got, got me thinking in that direction. It was definitely pertinent to what we're talking about tonight. So, Yeah, so, spot on. So um, anything else that, that people need to be aware of here that's that's coming up for any other states? Um, in, in New Mexico, uh, deadline for New Mexico is, is, uh, March 17th. So again, a little bit of time, but we know time flies and, uh, New, New Mexico, same deal, same deal. It's, it's, uh, got a nice, nice price license, uh, you know, to start, I, I think last I saw, um, it was, it, it got raised slightly, but let's, uh, let's talk 65 to 70 bucks to, to get into the game there. That's non-refundable. And, um, and then, yeah, so, so 65 bucks and you got a habitat stamp. So let's call it 70 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. but you do have to float the tag fee up front, but then there's no preference points there. So your odds are just as good as anybody else's every year. You just throw your name in the hat there. Sure. Um, and they got some, they got some cool, uh, cool species, uh, on the mix there. So I, I think it's got a, uh, a lot of opportunity. I'm, I'm definitely throwing myself, uh, in the ring here this year for it, but, uh, I'm not expecting to draw with, with certain ads, but, uh, I'd, I'd love to get into an Oryx or an Ibex or a Barbary sheep hunt out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And I think that's probably a good transition point here. If you feel like you've, uh, is there is there anything else you wanted to cover before I kind of shift gears here a little bit, Alex? You know, I, I think for the listeners, that's it's enough. It's enough information. If anybody wants uh, details on there, you know, somebody can shoot me an email. I can deep dive with them and, and connect. But that's kind of in a nutshell right now. And then you know, April, May, you got got some other states coming, different species, and and I'm sure we'll cover that later on. Right. And, you know, I want to speak here specifically to our, our listeners for a second here. You know, as a fellow first-gen hunter, sometimes you just feel like, man, I'm just trying to get a grip on, you know, hunt, hunting my own state, hunting one species or maybe two species, and that's it in my own state, and just get that figured out. And that's, I totally understand. I've, I've been there. Uh, but one of the things that uh, made this year my year where I grew the most by far as a hunter uh, was several things, but, but two of them were uh, I started hunting more species really more than I had in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. I, for the first time really have specifically gone after rabbits. I haven't killed a rabbit this year. Uh, I, I, but I learned a ton from doing that and, and picked mm-hmm. up some new skills doing that and some new just context, I guess, that made me a, a more knowledgeable hunter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hunted squirrels uh, several times this year uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. And and uh, in doing that, uh, I learned a lot more about the woods, just to kind of sum it up, I guess. But um, 
the other thing that really helped me was getting that Illinois hunting license. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I actually did hunt out of state. I got invited to go down to uh, Missouri and uh, do a uh, whitetail hunt there. But this year, uh, and that was you know that was a fast weekend type thing. Uh, this this has been a was a season long. Mm-hmm. Uh, pursuit of whitetail in illinois didn't fill a tag you guys know that i came really close mm-hmm. a couple times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh man the additional practice that that allowed me to get and and uh just just more opportunities and uh you know i'm a huge fan of hunting public land i have hunted a ton of public land in my my uh short hunting career <laughs> yeah but but uh you know, hunting public land is challenging, uh, oh, yeah. and, and there's there's a lot more competition. Things are not always mm-hmm. as predictable, mm-hmm. and I think when you hunt, you know, like I did when I when I jumped the border over to Illinois and hunted this year on on private land, that gave me a chance to um, learn in that context of less pressured animals and and that you know that provided a good opportunity for me so i'm not saying that if you go hunt out of state you're going to automatically have you know great private access and you're going to be the only one mm-hmm. hunting on there you'll probably be hunting public land but yeah. uh there's just those hidden advantages to doing this so if you're thinking about if you're thinking about doing this if you got the money you know you got the time off you got all your more important priorities lined up with family mm-hmm. and friends and and work and everything and you and, and you really are like you know maybe i could make that work go for it take a chance and uh yeah uh you know you, you the experiences you'll come back with you know i think back to the the story with our buddies up there in minnesota from fly true who uh went to uh colorado for their elk hunt and it was mm-hmm. just it was it was not ideal <laughs> yeah <laughs> challenging the, yeah right the mm-hmm. uh forest fires the yep. the competition mm-hmm. uh the you know just the pressure from the muzzleloader hunters that were out there during the same yep. time as their archery hunt uh but yet man if you've watched their video so check out fly perch fly true productions on youtube you can see their mm-hmm. elk video that they did they, they had a ton of fun i mean they, oh yeah they really did and, um, and learned a ton yeah right and we yeah. learned from them and so yeah you'll take those experiences back too and that's the stuff that that lives to tell you know what i mean when you're yeah when you're passing on stories to your your kids nieces nephews uh grandkids whoever that's the stuff to tell and the stuff you know it's fun fun to hear so definitely uh take these take these opportunities give them a good hard look and uh keep track of these these deadlines so again uh just uh uh the the states here that that alex talked about you got utah uh march 4th right right alex yeah for everything there uh wyoming you got a lot of the big game there with bison moose but also mountain goat and uh sheep that's also coming up in March, uh, they'll have other kind of like Alex was saying, kind of a, a trickle down thing later in the year. Uh, Nevada with uh, the guided draw only for mule deer. 
which would be a, a fantastic opportunity you know we're not saying we're not trying to be down on outfitters but at all if you mm-hmm. can if you can afford that that is oh, by, yeah. by far the 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 way to go if you want great odds at filling a tag so mm-hmm. definitely look into that and uh then of course uh last but not least uh, as alex mentioned new mexico and they have a lot of uh tremendous and very unique opportunities in that state i think uh new mexico kind of flies under the radar a little bit when it, when mm-hmm. you look, when you compare it to some of those other western states but make mm-hmm. sure you uh get those things on your calendar and uh get busy on getting things planned and if you need help definitely talk to alex you'll hear that in a commercial though in this episode too so (laughs) but but alex what are you hoping to draw in 2021 man well folks i hope you're learning as much as i did in this episode there are so many great tips here and so many great tricks and here's one more for you, your your regular tip of the day and today's tip of day tip of the day is going to be a little bit different um obviously alex has just given us a, a million hot tips here to to incorporate into our own uh procedure for going out and hunting in other places and i'm just going to give you one that's kind of some I don't know, maybe some cautious advice a little bit, just making sure that you have all your T's crossed and I's dotted. And that is always, 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 and I'll say it one more time, always be up to date on the laws, the hunting laws and regulations in other areas. Sometimes these could vary within a state. Sometimes they uh, are widely different from one state to the next state. Uh, Sometimes the seasons will not really make sense to you based on what your own state does. Uh, But you need to be aware of all of that. There's some really subtle things in there like transporting the the game after you've harvested it. Uh, for instance, here in Iowa, if you uh, kill a deer in another state, you're not allowed to bring it back unless it's already been deboned or processed. So you obviously, if you're going to go out and hunt in another state, then you better make some really specific accommodations for that. Uh, some other classic ones that could get people are legal shooting hours. Uh, a lot of times we just assume that everyone kind of goes by the same thing of a half hour before sunrise and a half hour after sunset. But there are actually some species where they give you a specific time. Take, uh, I believe it's Illinois. Uh, if you are turkey hunting in Illinois, you got to be done by early afternoon. Whereas in Iowa, uh, I believe it's more of the standard sunrise to sunset kind of time frame but my point is there are all kinds of different rules just just rule after rule and so if you are planning an out-of-state hunt like we're talking about here one of the very first things you need to do is get your hands and your eyes on the regulations the hunting regulations for the state that you're headed to you got to make sure that you take that stuff seriously. The last thing you need is a ticket or your reputation getting marred or uh, some other negative interaction with wildlife and conservation officers. 
okay make sure you you are being a good representative to the hunting community by when we go to these other places to enjoy these great things that they have to offer we are being responsible and taking care of the things that we're supposed to when we get there all right there's my little preachy moment to you i hope you uh again are learning a lot from this episode and i hope it's getting you that much closer to taking the jump into doing your own big diy hunt here very soon in a different land learning new skills and uh enjoying hunting in a deeper way than you ever have before all righty without further ado let's get on to the rest of the show here episode 41 of the first gen hunter podcast oh man um you know i i i yeah that's a tough one I, I had a spring bear hunt planned that is kind of out of the out of the mix right now. Um, my buddy unannounced uh, sold his house. He got a crazy oh, wow. offer and um, basically said, I'm going to take that money and run. So yeah. <laughs> and I don't blame him. Uh, but uh, with that, that kind of his moving time frame is when we would have been hunting. So uh, mm. I'm, I'm opting out of that. But I, I think my most excited hunt that I actually, I, my odds aren't great, but you know, I I'm in the like 30 percentiles that I'll probably draw it. I'm, I want to go back to Nevada. I, um, I'm going to do a high country, uh, archery mule deer hunt. And, um, if I draw that, I'll, I'll be using that spring bear time to go out there. I'm going to go scout for a week and uh, see, cool. see the areas and all that. And kind of want to, trial out some different stuff i've i have never hunted in that hot weather like that and um you know in nevada it's like it's 100 during the day it's 30 yeah. to 40 at night in the high yeah. in, the, in the mountains and um i i you know i i want to retool some gear myself um in that in that environment to kind of know what to expect come august because the weather's not going to change much from june july to august yeah yeah so yeah. Uh, Tony Treach, guy that we uh, interviewed back in episode, I want to say it was episode 30 maybe. Yeah. Uh, he talked about that exact thing. He said how hot it was hunting in, uh, in Nevada. And, uh, yeah, he, he was, he kind of made it sound like, uh, it was, it was almost a deal breaker for him. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to him actually, uh, quite a bit after the episode. Sure. Um, you know, he's a, he's in Michigan too here. So, uh, mm-hmm. we, we were chatting about how, you know, you, you can always put a jacket on and be warm, but you can't get the heat off of you, right. you know? And uh, I lived in Vegas for a little over two years. So, so I know the climate really well. And, and I yeah. remember I, I took, I took, uh, one of my closest friends out. He, he, I was taking him out for his first, like, pseudo experience of what a backpack hunt would be like mm-hmm. uh, and i and he's diehard hunter now but uh and he's actually the one that i'm going to be hunting with uh, and we've been kind of planning to try to get in and we keep putting our drops and and, and not get drawn so i'm like this year's the year man but uh the, the the story goes i took him out 
and and I I kind of wanted to punish him a little bit because he is is very very fit in a sense of muscular but I think a lot of people and you guys know this I think the image of what hunting is to, to the people that don't hunt they think you know buy a rifle you buy a tag you go and shoot something in the woods and it's not like that but <laughs> yeah right um, right but anyways so I, I i had a day where it was probably it was supposed to be 90 degrees out and i'm like oh you know we're gonna be at seven eight thousand feet and and this shouldn't be bad it's gonna cool down and the weather was totally misguided end up being like 105 out oh and man oh. i mean it got hot while we were out there and I was, I was in pretty bad shape. Actually, we ended up, uh, stopping and we jumped in, in a, in a cave, like on the side of a, a cliff. And we actually, we stayed in that cave until nighttime. So, so we could actually walk back because I thought we were going to pass out. Wow. I, 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 that's my kind of, thought process to it is i want to really go through how much water we're going through and every detail to it in that scouting trip so we kind of know what we're expecting in that because uh tony said the same thing he's like you know i just i don't know that i can do that hot weather hunt anymore like it just doesn't seem like it's my jam so yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> so that's that's a good tip and one that you know people really don't think of you know i got caught in something kind of like that one time I w- this was pre-hunting days. This was back when, uh, when uh, I think it was the last time I actually did this trip. We uh, we uh, would do backpacking trips out in Montana, in a uh, Custer National Forest area, and uh, um, my dad and I were hiking together, and we ha- we way overloaded our packs, and it was one of those days, like you mentioned, where it just kind of snuck up on you like the, the heat. And it was, I think it was, uh, somebody had said it was, a, I think it was 110 in Billings that day. And most of the hike is shaded when you're starting out and you got all these like crystal clear mountain streams, you know, running down the mountain and everything. So if you need to tank up your water bottle, you can do that. Throw a couple of uh, iodine tablets in there and everything. Well, we were just like so focused on knocking out this hike with our super heavy packs on and everything. And, um, we were walking past all of these these little uh, creeks and streams and stuff, and like, man, no, I still got a half a water bottle full, you know. And mm-hmm. you know, you're yeah. in the shade and the cool air coming off the off those streams and stuff. Just you know, didn't it? It kind of like insulated you from that really intense heat. Well, then the hardest part of the that hike is. Uh, you know, it's like a couple miles of switchbacks and you're just, you climb several thousand feet in elevation on these switchbacks and it's all like boulder field, no trees, no water. And mm-hmm. we hit that and we ran out of water and you know, right. you're just baking in that hundred and whatever degree heat. And by the time we got to the spot where we were, we were going to take a rest, which is on the side of a lake. Uh, <laughs> my dad was drinking lake water, <laughs> oh, <man>. unfiltered. <laughs> you know, we're lucky you didn't like get oh, beaver fever. You know, good old Girardia oh, yeah, there. Yeah. That's like really that's like yeah. what not to do one on one. You know, I at least uh, threw some tablets in mine and and uh, uh, tried to. <laughs> 
<laughs> give it, you know, like half the allotted time. But yeah. um, <laughs> I think I had to like chew the tablets probably. To <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, one of the funniest things about that, though, was not that it was that funny because I think we were actually kind of borderline in a dangerous position by the time we were getting. Because that's like Alex is saying, you know, you just kind of lose consciousness when you get real dehydrated and that that's where you fry but yeah but uh there was in the shade and mountains are just so weird like this you know it's like 100 degrees out but in the shade here's this giant snow bank that was probably you know like eight feet deep you know during the dead of winter and it's like the last you know two feet deep drift that that remains we're like man we're so hot we're so sweaty we're so you know exhausted we're gonna go lay on that snow drift <laughs> <laughs> but man it was too much of a good thing it was like the second you laid down you got like you went from sunburn to freezer burn and uh, oh, so we like hopped back up and dr finished drinking our lake water but <laughs> <laughs> no i know what you're i know what you're saying man that's that intense heat that's something you gotta you gotta weigh in with what your options are and know your limits and and uh make the right decision there so yeah yeah you know you, know, you mentioned that spring bear hunt I used to have like no interest in doing a bear hunt, but the more I see people do it and the more this might sound weird, but the more I hear them talk about like bear fat or bear lard uh -huh. and bear oil, it's like, man, that actually sounds pretty good for like cooking it and stuff. And then just thinking of, uh, you know, all that, all that, uh, meat that, uh, things you could do with that. And I think it's pretty similar to, like kind of like a roast right isn't isn't bear meat kind of dark meat and and uh I don't yeah know. i've never it, had it. it is it is in that regard yeah and, and you know i'm sure uh some listeners have have seen or read about it but uh, you got to be mindful of how you cook it um because you can get trichinosis from mm, yeah from i have bear heard meat if you don't I, you got to cook it at 160 degrees fully uh, internally to not get that. Um, but a lot of guys like to, or a, lot of, a lot of guys and gals like to pickle the meat. Okay. That's a, that's a hot one. And then, um, the other one is, you know, just if you do your jerkies or your sausages or something like sure. that, I, I shot a bear. Yeah, so what are we 20? So I would have been three years ago. I shot a bear. Uh, I, I still have some ground meat because I just haven't wanted to cook it to, burn <laughs> right right but I, I did majority of everything in like hot sticks pepperoni sticks stuff like that it, i mean yeah. it, it it tastes fantastic mm. and uh you know if you fry it the, the frying it piece is really nice because if you're out in the in the woods and, and you go back to camp you got that fat uh mm -hmm. put it in your jet boil or whatever it, it it cooks that meat really really well and uh, the interesting part about that is depending on the season and what the bear has been eating, uh, you will actually have that flavor there. So if, if huh. you get a spring bear that's been hitting kind of the the, the berries, you're going to get that huh. berry kind that's of interesting. A, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it, you, you, you get that almost like that. I, I can't describe it if it's a flavor or a smell, but it's more like mm -hmm. sweet and, and aromatic. Huh. It, it, it's pretty cool. Now, in, huh. in the fall... Vice versa, uh, it's eating a lot of carrion, and uh, it's, it's probably yeah. not going to be the the most flavorful thing. But you know, uh, it's a remarkable animal, man. It's it's just yeah, you, you know, you just kind of watch them moseying around, and and they're searching for food, and you're gridding the hillsides, and 
Um, yeah, that's right. It, it's it, it's fun. Well, I remember you saying that your dream hunt is to go do an Alaskan uh, grizzly grizzly hunt. So, yeah. uh, you know, if you go pretty close to the salmon run there, you might get kind of a twofer. You know, you get the uh, you get the salmon yeah. flavored uh, grizzly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that any day for that. Yeah, that yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> you know what? I, I will do. I I will. Uh, you know, I'll tag along with you on most hunts, Alex. But that's one that I. <laughs> I think I'd sit out on. Oh man, that. Well, we'll we'll save my bear hunt story for another day. But uh, my the the way that I shot my bear was uh, something that it's kind of a once in a lifetime deal. Oh yeah. So, huh? Oh man, can't wait to hear about this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. It's it, it's it's a good one. It gets gnarly though, so you'll uh, you'll appreciate it if you're a sketchy on the grizzly one. Oh man, I would, I'd be freaked out to to hunt grizzly. Even if you know, you give me like uh, army to the teeth with firearms and and whatever, man. It would, it, they those things they just uh, they get to me a little bit. I, I'm, I I'll admit I'm a little bit of a chicken when it comes to comes to grizz hey, I, country. I, I, I heard if you get bear spray, it makes everything you know work real well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we we talked about that in episode thirty two with. Uh, my buddy Alex Earhart and he, uh, man, I love I love talking with him because he's he's so uh, polite and, and when he's like saying something is like the dumbest thing he's ever heard. He wouldn't say it that way, you know. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I think what he said was such a great point. He's like, uh, you know, if you can control the animal, if you can control the weather. And you know exactly what's going to happen when that animal charges you. Yeah, bear spray is great. <laughs> That's true. Right? That's yeah, I'd be the one who I'd be the one who spray it in the wind and pepper, pepper myself, <laughs> <laughs> season myself oh, for awesome. the bear. No, yeah, that the, those uh, those those bear stories they they creep me out a little bit. But I am game for a uh, a. Uh, a black bear hunt sometime i think that'd be that'd be a lot of fun but oh, yeah mm-hmm. but uh well let's let's talk a little bit here about um when you go on these hunts you're going way out of state and honestly i think this is probably a i would say it's a hurdle that keeps people from doing it and that's all these questions that you know pop up in your mind when you're thinking of the for lack of a better term hassle of of going way out of state, you know, going to, uh, Alaska, going to, um, maybe going, even going to, uh, like Canada or Mexico, which obviously, you know, that, that brings in passport and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, considerations like that. But, yep. um, and, and, you know, bring in what you're allowed to bring back even across the border. But, mm-hmm. You know, let's just start with the most obvious one, and that is if I'm going to fly somewhere and I'm going to hunt somewhere, I'm probably, I'm one of those people who I have no problem, you know, I actually, I have a ton of respect for people who um, buy out-of-state archery tags and go and get it done with a bow just because I, th- I think the pressure there has to be so much higher. But I'm one of those people who will probably always try to, if I'm doing a big out-of-state thing, I'll probably go with a rifle just because, you know, it's it's that much, uh, I don't know if easier is the right word, but 
but you know if all the put it this way if i go on an elk hunt and the only elk i see are 200 yards away i'll be glad i had a rifle <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you know? yeah and so uh the 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 idea here is i'm probably going to be when i do these hunts whatever that ends up being i'm going to want to fly with a, a gun how does that happen should i not even consider it so should i i are there I guess you might know the answer to this, Alex, because you do hunt planning, but are there options for somebody to like rent a gun when they get, you know, to the other States, so then they don't even have to worry about that side of it or what goes into bringing a gun with you while having to fly? Yeah, uh, this is actually a really common question. I, so to answer your first question, yes, you can rent guns. Uh, there are, there are actual companies. Uh, there's one called Rent Guns and Gear. Um, they are uh, pretty big into that. Um, I'm not a I'm not a fan of renting guns. And now, if I was to fly to Canada or Mexico, uh, that'd be mm-hmm. a different story. And and a lot of those outfitters and and places that you'd go with would would have that as an option. Yeah, sure. Um, but you know, you, you you know, I just think about my rifle. It's dialed in. I have all my turrets, yep. ballistics, all that. I I I don't want to chance something to something that I don't know anything about when yeah. I get there. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's actually really simple to fly with with guns uh, or or bows. And <clears throat> you know, here's really how the process goes. So it first first starts off with your your carry case. So you got to have a hard hard sided case. Uh, okay. you, you have foam inside of those cases and you have, uh, little tiny blocks in the foam. Now, I don't know if you guys have this or not, but you can rip those pieces of foam out and, and basically make it exactly the shape of your rifle and your rifle gets inserted into that foam. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> there, there are a lot of different cases out there. Get a case that has, uh holes for for locks on it because you have to have at least two locks on your case okay Mm -hmm. and uh the the second one is and and i have i think six or seven different hard sided cases i have one that i use for all my flights it is a plano uh hard sided case i don't i can't remember how much i paid for it. it was it was pretty pretty pricey but it's got the locks actually built into the the clips on the side of the case. So that way I don't have to have, uh, external locks. And then I just have a key. So you just basically mm-hmm. put the key and it locks sure. your case up. It's a lot safer. Uh, number one, number two, it's a lot less of a pain in the rear when you are at the airport. And number three, uh, you, you won't lose your lock because I've had it before where you actually will have a lock break off and then you Oof. are now in a search yeah. of a lock in the middle of the airport. So, yeah, uh, right. prevent you some time wasted there, but here, here's how it works. Uh, you're going to roll your, your luggage in, you're going to go and check in at the, at the counter. So you can't go to one of those kiosks and just get your boarding pass and go through security. Right. Uh, you got to go to the counter. Uh, you get your boarding pass there. You got to tell them that you're checking a, a, a weapon. They're going to ask you to open up your case and weigh it. And then they want to make sure that it is unloaded. And there's obviously nothing in the in the action. And then you do have to have either the original box of ammunition for your ammo. Or you have to have a hard-sided uh, case. Uh, you can go buy an Amazon that will hold 10 or 20 rounds. And then you can have your, your ammo in there. So you have to have it in sure. an enclosed case. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then is there a limit on is there a limit on how many rounds you're allowed to uh, fly with? Not that I am aware of, but I also I I mean I've I've never personally flown or had anybody else fly with more than twenty or 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 forty rounds, and, and they're in the typical you know box of whatever they they shoot. Sure. Um, but I mean, unless you're going to competitively shoot, I I don't know what you would need that many rounds for. I I shoot. I, I'll take ten rounds with me. I don't want to carry more weight, and you know, yeah. two or three are to sight in. And if if I need to shoot more than five rounds in the field, I should not be there in the first place. So, <laughs> yeah, let's, <right. laughs> let's call it what it is. Um, and the the person at the counter is going to give you a card, and uh, that's basically a validating that you're signing it. You're saying that the the gun is you know unloaded and all that stuff, and then they'll mm-hmm. date it and they'll put it in your carry case. You close it, and then they will either transport it themselves to the TSA check uh, area, or they're going to have somebody come grab your case. You're going to walk with them to the check-in area, and then they're going to open your case again, look at it, and they're going to swab it for any kind of explosive residue and other things that they're looking for. Uh, once they swab it and everything clears, then they throw it on the conveyor belt, and it goes on your flight just like any other any other luggage, and that's it. Like when you get there, same deal. You're going to land, and uh, instead of it coming on the conveyor belt, it's going to come to the 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 section or like office for your um, you know the company that you're flying with. So like if if I fly for Delta at at the package pickup or or luggage pickup, they're going to have a Delta office. You got to go in there, show them your driver's license and, and boarding pass, and it's got a match for your rifle, and then mm. they give it to you. Sure. Okay. Now, is there any paperwork you got to do, like that you have to have prepared when you get up there to the counter? No. No. Only now again, if you're going into Mexico or Canada, you have to have paperwork, but uh, not not for U.S. flights. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a huge one, man. That that's good to hear. That it's it sounds like it's actually a pretty simple process. Now. I would guess that it's probably wise to uh, get a non-gun-shaped case. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a longer case because you got a, you know, you got a rifle in there. But uh, just to keep people from, you know, giving you giving you a hassle. Other other uh, people who are flying, I got to imagine that it, you know, in as polarized of an environment as we are in now, that that could raise some eyebrows and some tempers. <laughs> If. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, it's kind of funny you say that because you're you'll be in line waiting for your boarding pass, and you're gonna have you know one or two things. People are looking at you like they don't. They're like, "What's in that case?" Or yeah. or you're gonna have like somebody <laughs> randomly walk mm-hmm. up to you and they're like, "Where are you going?" You know, and and then yeah, you're right. chatting with them, and before you know it, like everybody around you can hear, oh, "I'm going elk hunting." You know, and it, totally, it's a different vibe, but. I've only had it once where I actually went to the check-in counter and the lady like freaked out. I opened up my, my luggage and she looked at my rifle and it looks like it's, you know, it's a sniper rifle from, yeah. you know, a movie and, and yeah. she's like, oh, and I'm like, chill out. It's, it's, a, I'm going elk hunting. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so funny. And she's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, and she had to call her friend over. Her friend was like, oh, this is easy. Here, you just give him this tag and, you know, you kind of sign it and you go over here. You know, it's probably man, I would, her first day on the job. Oh, and she's like, oh. man. <laughs> I would have, like, passed out, man. I would have crumpled right there at the counter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's awesome. 
Oh That's man, funny. you know the so I, I was saying I had this uh, this funny story, and I'll definitely leave name names out of this. But Brandon, you would uh, you would uh, know one of the people involved. Mm. I'm pretty sure because uh, okay. this is somebody that we went to college with, mm-hmm. and um, uh, she uh, had to. So she she lived way out of state, and she was. She had a brother that attended the college too, a younger brother. And uh, uh, so he had flown home like a week before she did at the end of a semester or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had forgotten a bag in his uh, dorm room. And uh, he was like, hey, uh, can you can you grab my duffel bag and... Uh, you know, f- bring that home with you when you, when you come home, but that'd be great. She's like, okay, yeah, sure. And, uh, so it's like a, just a duffel bag. So, um, uh, uh, she didn't want the, uh, she didn't want to like pay, you know, the 50 bucks or whatever for checking another bag. She's like, you know what? I'll just take like my purse for my personal item. And this will be, I'll just count this, my brother's bag as a uh, carry on. She had no idea what was <laughs> what was in this bag, and uh, so she she uh, gets there to you know does what Alex says, checks in at the kiosk like you know you normally would, and yeah. uh, gets her boarding pass, heads through security, and uh, her you know little brother's bag goes down. <laughs> goes down the conveyor belt under the scanner and uh instantly they see that there's a giant k bar in this duffel oh. bag you know just <laughs> <laughs> like a like a military fighting knife in this oh god so she gets she gets uh arrested like they they you know they like uh they take her away. TSA takes her away, puts her in a little detention room and they, uh, they, um, let's see here. What all do they do? They like question her for hours. And, mm-hmm. uh, then, uh, from there, I can't remember if they, I mean, they, they had to obviously know like pretty quick there. Cause they're like, what do you have in your bag? And she's like, I don't know what's in there. <laughs> It's my brother's bag, and yeah. but how many times do people say stuff like that? You know, sure. but I, I think they they got the idea like like this lady's not a threat at all. But because they they had like gone so far with it already, they and, and you you know you can't play favorites, and and so I can't remember if she had to spend the night in like uh, uh, you know county jail or what happened, but she ended up getting like a big fine and uh she had to go back to a, make a court appearance and mm-hmm. uh yeah. and like go through all this extra stuff all because all because she didn't uh check the bag and uh find that there's a giant uh k-bar in that bag and can you imagine what you would do to your sibling <laughs> when you oh, when when you man, got home? That's definitely something a sibling would do too. Oh man, oh, I'd man, be that's, that's I would great. be livid. But but yeah, so yeah. that kind of brings us to the next question. For like hunting knives, or um, we talked about bows. I assume with with a bow, it's the same process as with the rifle and uh, 
imagine your arrow's got to be in the the case with the bow. Is that is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, yeah, that's spot on. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. And then for like, uh, you know, a field dressing a set of knives or, or uh, you know, uh, whatever you need for in the field, can you just throw those in like a regular checked bag to uh, uh, be cleared that way? Or do you need to let them know about those as well? Yeah, no, you can, you can check them out. You know, I, again, it depends on your knife blade size. I mean, I, I use a, I use a Havilon Peranta, you know, and it's got the 60D replaceable blades, nothing crazy. Uh, they, you know, they don't, they don't have any kind of size limit, but yeah, you just throw mm-hmm. that on your check bag. You're good. Uh, or you can throw them in your, your rifle or bow case and, uh, oh, okay. it, it's, yeah, that's good, it's good to go there too. Okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. Well, now on yeah. the on the on the front with the capes and the antlers and all of that, I mean that's you know obviously something if you're if you're traveling out whether you're outfitter or not, I mean that's something that you factor in. So what are what are the thoughts on that? Yeah, so, so this one this one is uh, interesting. So uh, you can you can ship your antlers. Um, you, you have odd sized package, so you mm-hmm. have to like, you know, uh, give you an example. You can uh, get some big, you know, fifty five gallon black bags and wrap them around your your antlers. If you got some mm-hmm. massive uh, caribou antlers or, or uh, you know, elk <laughs> antlers or something like that, and uh, and and tape them together, and then you're gonna have, you're gonna have to check them, and it's it's gonna cost you a pretty penny, uh, yeah, probably one hundred fifty to three hundred bucks for for just shipping that. Man, uh, <clears throat> your meat, you know, you can do a couple of things. It, it, I, I've always ventured to if I have a ton of meat. I'm going to find the nearest processor and I'm going to take it there and have them process the meat for me and have them ship me the meat because there's, there's no point in me taking the meat all the way home, paying for all of the the luggage fees for it. And then I'm still going to either work on it at home, which is hours of my time, or I'm going to take it to a processor. So I'm not, I'm not going to pay double for the same thing. Right. Uh, That's a good little hack there. Well, yeah. Yeah, the, the processor will will ship you the meat and do everything you want at that point, and then you're not taking more stuff on the flight. Uh, and I and I think that's really important too if you're like in Alaska, for example, where logistics are a, a disaster. Uh, yeah. But capes are are simple. I mean, you you I would freeze your cape, and uh, again, same deal. Put it in a uh, black you know trash bag of some sort, and then you can throw it in a cooler, mm-hmm. and then duct tape your cooler and then you you just check it like a bag i mean you, you it, the, the the biggest part to to shipping all that is you have to have some kind of a box or cooler of some sort to to store it in yeah uh i when i when i flew back with my muskox i had um you know fu- funny story to it so i wanted to bring the meat home and the meat was awesome but after factoring in how much weight you're allowed on these small flights and mm-hmm. then the cost of all that meat. Yeah. I, I decided it was better to leave it to the village, right? Like, I'm, yeah, I, you know, I don't need the meat. I'm not going to die without it. Right. But, uh, I right. could have taken it and I would have enjoyed it for years, but I know that they could have used it. And that in the same point was like a great, great thing for them. And it also yeah. saved me a ton on, on the, on the back end. Yeah. Uh, 
but I had a, you know, everybody's got different, different gear they use. I, I am a, a diehard Kuyu guy and they make a bag called a, a Taku bag, which it comes in a three, six, or I think a 3,500 and a 9,000 cubic inch bag. It's a waterproof bag and it's got like a backpack style shoulder strap that you can do. I put my cape inside a big trash bag and then mm. I froze it outside and then I put it in this, in this carry bag. And that's what I yeah. flew it back in. Okay. Wow. And, um, I didn't have an ounce of blood in it. The thing was still frozen on all from, from all my flights. And it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's one, one thing that you can do that, that kind of makes it easier. Um, the second tip, I guess I would say is, uh, you can get like, they're called wax fish boxes and you can use this for, for any place you hunt. They're not expensive, but they're sturdy. And then you can put frozen mm. meat in them, tape them up and then just ship those boxes back. Uh, whether you want to do it through postal carrier or you can do mm. it as shipped boxes through the flights, you know, just, I would, I would get every ounce of, uh, of that to hit your 50, 50 pound mark for each one to get your money's worth. Sure. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's a good question there, Brandon, to, to ask that because I think that's a, probably right up there with the, the gun question, you know, mm-hmm. what do I, how do I get this back home? That processing yeah. tip. Now, do you do the same thing? I know you talked before in a previous, previous interview we did with you, Alex, but do, do you kind of do the same thing with the antlers too, where in Cape where you just you know, you find a trusted taxidermist that can take care of it and then ship it to you. Uh, no. And, and I, I'm trying to think right now, almost all my taxidermy has been done by one guy in Idaho. And, and, you know, we've been, we've become pretty close friends. I just, I love his taxidermy work. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not opposed to using another taxidermist. I have two, uh, animals that I, that I hunted, that I gave to another taxidermist. He did a good job, but they're not, they're, they're just not as good as, as the work that, yeah. that my buddy Nick do, did. And I will gladly pay an extra two, 300 bucks in shipping to know that, mm-hmm. that, that once in a lifetime animal is the way that it, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. So yeah. I'm, I'm sitting in my office right now looking at my black bear cause it's on the wall right in front of me <laughs> and, and, and he did a great job with it, but it literally showed up in a, in a crate that was like built, um, <laughs> on a, on a semi. And I actually had it shipped it to my, to my, uh, my work mm-hmm. and it showed up in my loading dock and somebody's like, uh, Hey dude, this guy said, you got a, you got a bear in here. I, I, I hear it like a walkie talkie. <laughs> And I'm like, yep, that's mine. I'll be right out in the bag. I'm <laughs> in my truck and loaded in the back of my truck. I was like, it's awesome, you know. Um, wow. But yeah, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the stuff when you're hunting out of state, it just comes to logistics, and and it's like you don't have to be scared of it. It's just you, you have to, uh, you just have to be prepared that you're going to need a lot more extra stuff, which is coolers, boxes. Um, you know, if you do have a, a taxidermist that you trust by you, hey, great. If not. Yeah, you're gonna ship it. Like I'm gonna, I would ship my stuff today out to Idaho to my buddy. Overnight, it he needs mm-hmm. the cape, and you know, I'd obviously skull cap the the skull if it's got, uh, you know, if it's a deer of some sort, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna cost a little bit, but I know I'm gonna get it back in a really good spot. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's more good information that, man, I, you know, I know nothing about. But yeah, I think I think uh, there's some good tips in there. What, what Alex said there, especially with the the processor tip, you know, if you can you can do that. But obviously, uh, being up in Alaska, <laughs> those options are a little bit uh, more limited. I'm going to ask <laughs> you about that in a little bit here. But so another thing that that I I've wondered about. You know, so you, you have, you know, all this gear that you've been out all week with. Hopefully it's covered in blood because uh, that means you, uh, you know, you had a successful trip. Not your blood, at least. <laughs> Some, mm-hmm. so, uh, Hopefully not. Yeah, right, right. Maybe my thumb flew off. <laughs> 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 oh, you know, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of a T-shirt coming here, you know. We'll uh, have, have like a crossbow and then have just like this thumb flying through the air. <laughs> Thumbs up archery. But uh, <laughs> be a good crossbow brand. Thumbs up crossbow. Kind of catchy, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Here we go. Next business idea. That's right. That's right. But um, uh, so do do you try to find a place where you can wash all that stuff out? Like you go to like a laundromat. Of course, they probably would want to murder you if you came in there with all of your uh, blood-soaked stuff and threw it in the the lawn the laundry. Do you try to find a hose at like a gas station or something? I mean, is there anything you can do with that if you got like a, a pack full of blood? from packing out elk or, or, you know, moose or something? You know, I, I, um, I haven't had this issue and it's because I, so I'm, I'm a gear nut and I'm, I, I am really ultra light in, in my process. I, uh, I've tinkered with quite a few stuff. So, uh, with that, I've, I've changed things down to, you know, I can get my pack to a certain weight and, uh, if I can, I'll actually use my pack as my, my carry on if I'm flying with it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. But my pack, if it gets bloody, you can, you can wash it. Um, it's, it's a pretty washable material. I'll actually, um, I have done that where I've, I've just been by like a stream or a, you know, a, a puddle of some sort and I'm, I'm washing it up and trying to get as much of that blood off as possible. So uh, I haven't had that issue. If I did, uh, I would. I always carry a, a like a waterproof cover for my backpack. I would oh, actually that's a great put idea. a waterproof uh, cover over it if I was getting like on a flight or something. Yeah, that's a great. So that's, that's a great tip. That's a simple one. With clothes, though, no. So it's a, a funny story. I hunted in uh, Nevada. <clears throat> I did a backpack hunt out there, and I was going solo, and I. Uh, I just, I, you know, as I'm unpacking my stuff out of my, out of my Jeep at the, at the trailhead, I ran into other guys and, you know, I, you know, just kind of gathered looking at them packing in and all that, you know, I, I didn't know if they were too, uh, too tenured in what they were about to do, but we started, <laughs> you know, the, the one guy where he threw me off, he was wearing military boots and that immediately was like, what, is, what, what is he doing right now? Cause those are going to slice his ankles up pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I started asking about stuff and then they're like, Oh, it's our first elk hunt, you know, and, and we're going out and I was like, Oh, all right. Well, you know, um, cool. You know, and uh, uh, encouraging them. And then they were just like, Hey, you know, if, if you're going solo, like we'd love to have you in camp. So I was like, sweet. So we ended up camping next to one another and, and, uh, I 
I pretty much at that point became their guide for the week because they, <laughs> they wanted to go everywhere I was going and what I was doing. And it was, it was a lot of fun actually. And I, and they learned a lot. Uh, and both of them shot elk. Uh, that awesome. Was nice. Nice. Yeah. But, uh, when we got back to the Jeep, this was really funny and it, and it ties into what you're asking. Uh, the very first thing I did when I got back to my Jeep is I opened the door and I had a fresh pair of sweatpants, a fresh pair of socks, and some slip-on shoes sitting in my passenger side, my Jeep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they both looked at me and they're like, you could tell he knows what he's doing. He... <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just started laughing. I was like, yeah, dude, I don't go anywhere without an extra pair of of just some light sweatpants. Yeah. Uh, an relaxing. extra pair of socks. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll throw on an Under Armour like like t-shirt on and you know it's fresh. It's the cleanest thing I'm gonna have after a week out yep. in the middle of nowhere. And mm-hmm. I want my feet to breathe. So if, if it's warm I'll have some sandals set up or I, I just have like mm-hmm. like some camp shoes, you know, like you can get more comfortable than that. Yeah. Yeah. So good little hot tip there. That's yes. That's uh that's yeah, smart. Always, always pack an extra deal and put it in like a waterproof bag or a block bag and if you got a packet, pack it, but that's like your go home deal because nobody's gonna want to sit next to you while you're all bloodied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, you know, that you're representing hunters more than probably ever in your life when you uh right. step onto that airplane. And you got people yeah. from all walks of life and uh, yep. all kinds right. of, uh, all kinds of opinions. And, and, yep. uh, you know, if you're, if you dress the stereotypical bad part of a hunter, then, uh, you're just making, making, uh, it that much harder for everybody else. So mm-hmm. make, make sure you are a good representative of the hunting community when you're when you're doing stuff like that so that's a great tip too with the waterproof uh cover for your pack i didn't even think of that that makes total sense so you just easily slap that because it's not going to smell you know if it smells it's probably going to smell like you more than anything from sweating in it all week but but uh you'll have you'll be able to get that home and get it washed out right away and you know in, in your washing machine, right? <laughs> you know, or use yeah. the garden hose in the yard or throw it in the bathtub yeah, or something. Yeah, let it sit out for a week. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> well, most of, the, most of the bags nowadays, if you get backpacking bags, you can take them off of your, um, you know, your frame. So, like, mm. all of my, right. you know, I can, I can change out five different bags on my frame and I just ball them up throw them in the in the washer yeah. and they come out looking brand new you know you, you never even have to worry about it same thing with your game bags if you get some quality game bags they're gonna be bloody it's not gonna really soak through onto your bag in the first place and you come home and you just you wash them in your washing machine you get you get multiple uses out of them you know they'll save you money mm-hmm. in the long run mm-hmm. yeah yep. definitely well, uh, I was going to ask you for some specific Alex Gruen hacks, but man, you just gave us a whole bunch of them. So, yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> now I kind of want to take this to an applied hunt that I have been getting, uh, a, a, uh, pretty big, um, I don't know, dream for, or, or desire for maybe, and that is an Alaskan caribou hunt. I think it's the, okay. what do they call it? The, the 40 mile, yeah. the 40 mile herd that where you're, you're way up there on that. I guess it's kind of almost like a, a step landscape, right? Where you're, you know, you got these kind of barren hillsides with, with, uh, 
uh, you know, big valleys and, you know, wide open terrain. And, and, uh, man, it just looks like a, like a lot of fun from, Mm -hmm. from when I've seen people do that. And, uh, I'm just looking at like, when I see caribou meat, it just looks really good. You know what I mean? It's like that, that looks, that looks like about the cleanest meat you could find on the planet would come from a, uh, come from a caribou. And so here's the deal though. I know that that is probably one of the more remote hunts Mm -hmm. out there. Is that, is that accurate, Alex? That is, that is pretty accurate. And I mean, (laughs) you're, I mean, so Mm -hmm. you're going to have to have right away that extra step of you land in Alaska to get on a really tiny airplane and, Mm -hmm. uh, those, what just cost wise, how much does that add to your hunting trip right there? Now that you have to, you know, pay a uh, bush pilot to get you out there. Um, you know, that varies that that's a, that's another common question uh, that I get now. Now let me backtrack. Not every caribou hunt is, is a bush flight style. There's somewhere you can, you can get to Alaska. You'll have to fly into another, like, small city, you know, rental and you can drive into, into the oh, area, okay. but that's good to know. Um, yeah, but otherwise you're either, uh, you're, you're either on a raft or some kind of a small boat and you're going down some rivers to get into some places or you are getting flown in, uh, to some, mm-hmm. some pretty remote areas, uh, bush flights. So they vary all over the place. Uh, you're, you're looking at, somewhere in between and this is a wide variety depending on who your pilot is and how far they're booked out but but i would say at the lowest i i would not go any lower than 3500 bucks for that flight wow wow um and and your your high amounts like uh, i i'm actually waiting we're on a we're on a wait list here we have been now for the past two years and, and we're kind of on a raffle process at this point with one of the operators, but there's four of us set for a, a moose hunt that we're waiting. And it's, um, it's 8,500 bucks mm. for, for the service. And then we get to split it. So if you're doing okay, the yeah. caribou deal, it, you know, it, it, it's the same exact situation. It just depends on how many people you have and, and how big mm-hmm. that, that plane is going to be and how much it can carry. Yeah. So, sure. um, you gotta be mindful of how much you pack. Like you, you can only have a certain amount of stuff with you. You, you, um, you know, I, I think there's this, this assumption that I'm paying for this flight service and they're going to fly all my stuff and I'm going to have this glorious deal. And, <laughs> right. um, it, it's not how it is, you know, it, it's, right. it's essentially a, a drop camp. If you think of it, they're yeah. going to, they're going to drop you out there and they're going to drop you with either they've already been there and they've set up some stuff for you and you have some extra goodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more than more likely than not, it is, you know, you're limited to your body weight and your, your counterparts body weights. And you can only have like 50 pounds of gear and then your weapon. And that is mm-hmm. it. So you're, mm-hmm. you're backpack hunting again. Like that is what you got. Yeah. That's that was, that answers a little bit. One of, one of my questions is, so a lot of those flights they can only handle one passenger at a time right because the, the just the size of the the plane 
some of them, but you know, most most could carry. Uh, they could carry a they could carry a couple. Some of them get bigger. You can you can do you know two three guys. Now again, uh, you never know how much guys weigh, and they and and from my experience, they will ask you how much you weigh, or you're mm-hmm. you know at, at some points they even put you on a scale to see how much it is because mm-hmm. the flights are limited. But the the person's weight is less of a concern. They they don't want additional weight on the bags. That that's like yeah. a controllable factor, right? They can't say, "Hey, go lose thirty pounds," but they can say, "Hey, you can't bring on an extra 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right. you know, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting because my my mother in law lives up in. I mean, she lives. Uh, she just for a year or two with teaching. She lives way up on St. Lawrence Island, which is. Um, like way up close to Russia. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean, there's a little town, there's, there's one village on one side of the Island and a village on the other side of the Island. She's on the Western side in Savunga, Alaska. Huh. And, uh, I mean, it is remote as remote can be up there. And, you know, they, they, the village people, they get whales, they get caribou, they get reindeer. And I mean, it's, it's like a, it's like a village event. If anyone mm-hmm. gets one and they go out and they make use of every bit of it. And I mean, it's pretty interesting, the pictures that she shared with us. So it's a pretty, it seems like it would be a pretty amazing experience being up there in some of those remote areas and, and, you know, having that adventure. Oh, it's, it, it's wild. And you know, the, the cool thing is, uh, you know, they get to, they get to live a very simple lifestyle. The, the mm-hmm. bad thing is they're, they're stuck waiting for a flight to come in to get stuff. Yeah. Right. You yeah, know? that's right. So, and you know, the other, the other one, there's always an argument of why is stuff so expensive on these flights. And, and what a lot of people don't realize is how expensive it is to operate it. You know, there's, right. um, you know, a, a Bush pilot's insurance is going to be probably 10 to 15 grand a year just to operate that thing. Oh yeah. Uh, the maintenance is ridiculous because he's, he's flying his plane on some kind of a gravel made up makeshift (laughs) spot. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, that, that takes a lot. Like there's just a lot of stuff that people don't think about. And then on top of it, what people don't realize is if you go with a group or maybe it's yourself, you you go shoot a moose or caribou. Well, now you can't fly on that plane because they got to go take the meat back and the rack back and all that. Well, there's four guys and you guys shoot, four different moose at four different times that flight's got to go back and forth back and forth back and forth multiple times exactly so you got a lot of fuel there's a lot of risk right you might not even be able to get the flight in because weather in alaska is different every five minutes yeah um there's just so much stuff involved with that so like to me i and i've been on some guided hunts and i've done a lot of solo stuff but like when you start seeing the service involved with it like it, mm-hmm. to you you're like it's the best two grand i ever spent in my life you know like yeah because uh, <laughs> this guy's risking his life to fly my moose meat back home <laughs> right you know right right, <laughs> right. yeah <laughs> so, so wow that, yeah that's, that's kind of reality point. of that that lifestyle yeah wow that's good to to know where that money is going and that it's truly earned, you know, because I think people do kind of get, you know, wondering why is this so expensive? Well, mm-hmm. we just there's a lot of upfront cost for a for a pilot up there. You know, there's yeah, there's a lot to lot to worry about, and you know, I, I think it's a good point you made too about where they got to land, even you know, and after after landing on the same gravel bar 
a couple times i gotta imagine that rocks on there start to get a little sketchy for <laughs> you know using the same spot four times in a mm-hmm. row to get all that moose yep. meat out of there so now you're talking they might have to go try and find somewhere else even and then get it figured out with how to meet up with you but yeah not an easy thing for for a uh, bush pilot that's for sure and definitely uh somebody who earns their <laughs> earns their Actually, uh i feel expense. like to be a bush pilot you've got to be like a certain type of person you just got <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> That that'd be a that'd be a podcast in and of itself, and get some bush pilots, you know, on and man, they probably, probably tell some wild stories. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, sure. I can only all, imagine. All minds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I can only imagine for sure. Well, uh, another thing, kind of along with that, this is maybe something you can help me with from your experiences, Alex. So. You guys both know I am obsessed with shed hunting. I'm not a great shed hunter by any means, but I, I, you know, I love looking for antlers. I have heard it said that when you're caribou hunting, a lot of times you come across a ridiculous amount of caribou sheds mm-hmm. because they, you know, they kind of yard up and <clears throat> I believe the, the cows also carry antlers, right? Yep. And so you, I mean, there's just, there's, there's antlers all over the place. Is that something that you can uh, freely take in Alaska and and bring back with you? Um, That is a good question. Um, I am not 100% sure, actually. Um, I do want to say yes. Uh, And the only reason I say that is because I've been offered to take sheds back. And okay. um, I said uh, no because I just didn't want to deal with the hassle of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I know, I know, me saying that to you is like, oh yeah, that's that's um, like sticking my thumb in a crossbow is what that's like. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any limitations to that. Um, now, now, granted, it also, you know, if if there's a season involvement or anything like that, but. I'm not all too too familiar with it, but I I am pretty certain you can bring the sheds back. Um, And and you're obviously, again, you're kind of going back through the whole deal of, of flying it back and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the event of taking that. But I I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think there's any limitation to that, but I might, I might be totally off there. So don't quote me on that. No, man, that, that's something that, just makes it adds to the uh desire to <laughs> to go you know so, some of the some of the some of the things that just make that such a unique opportunity but well gentlemen it's getting late we all have brandon and i are, are single dadding it tonight our wives are at work and uh, <laughs> so you might hear you might hear a little childish chatter in the background <laughs> on this one uh, I think uh, I think my son finally fell asleep out there watching TV, but uh, mm, it, and it, mine uh, too. <laughs> but uh, we, I, I really appreciate, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show, and uh, of course, uh, you know, being a part of the first gen family, and yeah, and uh, you, there's going to be more updates soon. There'll be more uh, tags mm-hmm. due, and uh, again, I I can't say it enough. If you're thinking about this stuff, change those thoughts to plans start 
start getting mm-hmm. stuff, even if yep. it's not for 2021, you know, maybe for 2022. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, there are things like uh, Alex mentioned with his buddy who kind of sold his house th- at unexpectedly. And, you know, that, that kind of derailed hunting plans for that time frame. But so stuff like that happens for sure. You know, plans got to be made with flexibility, but definitely don't just sit on it your whole life and then wait till, uh, you know, there's some really good reasons why you can't like being too old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's right. yeah. or, or being in a part of life where, you know, there's, there's so much extra busyness going on with, with family mm-hmm. stuff, you know, soccer camps and, and, uh, um, you know, music lessons and money goes towards braces instead of, uh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> instead of, uh, elk tags and, and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, if you, if you got, if you got most of the most of everything lined up now, try to make everything else get lined up and and take that step and you know see what it see what it turns into for you. But mm-hmm. thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the show tonight. And of course, Brandon, thank you for giving up your evening. Yeah. Please, everyone, head over to Alex's website, alexgruen.com. And uh, again, you'll hear a commercial in this episode that that kind of tells you that and how to get a good discount uh, by being a first gen hunter podcast listener and uh, go see him get some hunt planning done ask him some ideas about where you could be looking to hunt maybe get get his uh, tag application service get signed up for that and uh, uh, he's just a fun guy to talk to too and like i said he's oh yeah very prompt very prompt with his response so and you're 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 going to a guy and i hope after uh listening to three episodes of him now there's yeah. really not anybody out there i am confident to say that knows more than uh what alex does so readily i mean it's like it's like you're better than google alex i mean you just ask you a question <laughs> you know it. but uh <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh no alex will take care of you so make sure you go see him and then of course head over to thehuntfishlife.com brandon real quick any uh hfl updates you know just it, just kind of wrapping up the season right now you know just uh we've got just a couple weeks left of just some small game type stuff and just kind of reconnecting with the guys getting plans together for the next year and you know looking like we're going to have you know more property options you know for this next year and so some cool things some uh, more mentorship opportunities and just just some cool things coming down the pike so you know just trying to enjoy a little bit of the quiet time right now and spending time with family and whatnot and for things get started back up again so uh excited to see what comes up in the future yeah that's that's a good place to be it's kind of it's kind of a good feeling too you know to to look back on a good season and and Mm -hmm. be be excited for the opportunities that the off season provide but also start dreaming about what's coming up in the next year so yeah like you've got me excited too about the shed hunting so i mean good 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 i'm i'm excited because i've not i've never really you know i've i've stumbled across them in the past but i've never I've never really purposefully done much of it, so I'm I'm definitely going to make a purposeful effort this year. So I'm excited about that. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I one I don't think you'll be disappointed, and yeah. and two, if shed hunting isn't a big like hunting culture thing in Delaware, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you're going to clean up, man. Because around yeah. here, it is so popular that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that uh, things get kind of picked <laughs> over a little bit. So if you yeah. got all those uh, at you know just laying there waiting for someone to come find them, you, uh, yes. you know, you're going to have a you're going to have a good season once you start really looking for them. So <laughs> all right, well, this will be a good way for me to kick it off. Then that'll be good. That's right. That's right. And you already know how to scout deer, so you just got to go yes. where you know the deer are. But uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing some of that come up on the, the HFL pages, yeah. hopefully. And uh, please, after you're done visiting Alex and and uh, HFL, head over to firstgenhunter.com and uh, link up there. Find all of our our uh, connection or all the places you can connect with me on social media, which would be Facebook, Instagram, and Go Wild. And uh, you know, friend of the show Brad Luttrell was on with in the last episode. Make sure you check out Go Wild. It's it's a great place to be, and uh, um, you know very positive environment for for hunters to enjoy and uh you know see the stuff you want to see but uh you can definitely find me there and then of course hit up the youtube channel and uh, i promise you i'm i'm slowly working towards getting uh that updated and getting some more footage out there and uh then also uh check out the articles that i have for you on um on uh so i also finally Finally, gents, I know I've been talking about it for since we started, but I I, I started my store. There's some first gen nice. hunter gear. I've had Sweet. somebody I've had somebody design some stuff for me, and uh, I, I mean we're talking maybe uh, a, a, within a, the next couple episodes or so, we should have a full blown running first gen hunter gear shop for people to come nice. check in and and uh, pick up some uh, stuff to rep the brand but no we think nice yeah yeah i'm i'm excited about it and and uh mm-hmm. yeah excited to hopefully see some people enjoying wearing some oh, of, some yeah. of what yeah, we can't have. wait to have some stuff man yeah excited awesome yep for sure and uh you know what just thank you everybody for tuning in each and every week we really appreciate you um and uh, I, I really can't say that enough you know i get i get people reaching out to me uh and saying hey you know enjoy listening to the podcast that means a lot to us and and it mm-hmm. it you know that's the most important thing what we're doing is is hopefully making hunting better for you and, and let me tell you it makes it better for brandon and me and, and alex yeah. and any, anybody else who uh comes on here we always have a good time together but just knowing that that uh we might be helping others that that's that's a uh, really powerful thing so thank you for reaching out that way please if you wouldn't mind head over and leave us a review that's really helpful to us i love hearing your feedback and uh, until next time folks take care and take someone hunting